Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you are here. My name is Amanda Joy Loveland, and I am your host for this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind. This is for sure a passion project and something that's very close to my heart and something I never thought I would be doing. We are sharing our stories of why we left religion, what we've learned through it, and how we moved through it with as much ease and grace as possible. This is a place of community and gathering and is not a place for bashing. So I am excited to welcome you to the conversation and welcome you to my show. Good. This is my favorite topic. Let's go. It's <laughs> <laughs> my favorite topic ever. <laughs> oh, well, I am I am thrilled that you are my first guest. <gasps> I'm number oh. one. <gasps> we just got to be, it's all good. See, look, the angels are even that. happy we're here. <laughs> Ding. The angels are like, yes, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I feel so honored. I'm the first guest. <laughs> yes. So introducing Michelle Wilding. Is it, how do you say Wilding. It? Wilding. Mm-hmm. Most people say Wilding, though, so it's okay. Wilding. I know. Tra- nobody can pronounce Travis's last name. <laughs> and my, anyway, long, we won't even get into that. So when I was going to start this podcast, you were one of the first people that I wanted to interview because I can't tell you how many, I mean, you already know this, but we've had several conversations <laughs> where, and one a few months ago where we were at breakfast and it was a conversation that was pissing me <laughs> off because, <I> because <laughs> of your relationship with God. Yeah. And I think it's a really unique perspective. And so I that's my main reason why I wanted to have you on here. However, I would love, are you okay to share your sure. your religion story? Were oh you gosh, born yeah. and raised in it? Like what? Yeah. Goodness. Oh, I haven't gotten to share this story for a while. So I'm kind of excited. Um, yes, I was born and raised um, Mormon, LDS. I, what are they identifying as now? I have no idea. Somebody told me the other day that Mormon somehow is associated with Satan. And so they get offended now, which doesn't make any sense to me, but... It Anyways, doesn't matter. Um, it was Mormon when I was growing up, but that was okay. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. That's what I still, I, I'm saying Mormonism. <laughs> Very big. So yeah, I was raised Mormon and um, you guys, I was super devout. Like I remember being like eight years old and just having this feeling like, I just want to serve God. Like I just want to serve God. Like, and that's probably one of the things like with my relationship with God, part of me kind of knows I just came here with it. Like it was just kind of what I did and who I was. And I remember at eight years old, it's like, okay, cool. Well, I'm Mormon. So this is the way. And, um, being raised, it was kind of like, this is the one true way. This is how it has to look. So I, you guys, I dove head in. Like I was so Mormon. I did all the things. Okay. I didn't do like the personal progress stuff in Young Women's. That's the one I didn't <laughs> I know, do. I struggled with I that was one like, too. I didn't do that one. Okay. But besides that though, it's like, I served a mission. I didn't drink. I didn't do drugs. Where I did stayed you, chased. Where did you serve your mission? Texas. Oh. Yeah. San Antonio, Austin area. Um, served a mission. When I came back from my mission, worked in the temple. Um, I was married for a short period of time and, um, <laughs> was married in the temple. I didn't get married till I was 28. So I was like chased until then. Like yeah. I was so Mormon, like lived, breathed. You so, did all the things. All the things, all, all the, the things. things. And so for me, like I remember I used to, so I struggled. Like I had an eating disorder. I kind of like had those feelings of just not being enough. And I remember one time telling my mom, I was like, mom, I'm just a sad person. She's like, what? I'm like, yeah, I have like this deep, dark hole, like this void inside of me. And I can put like a cover of happy over it, but like, I'm just a sad person. She's like, no, you're not. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I, How old were you when you said that? Oh, I think I oh, was I maybe like 19, 20, even into my 20s. Like yeah. it was just like, I'm like, there is just like a blackness inside of me. Mm. <laughs> like it's just a hole, which let's be honest, everyone has a void. 
Everyone has that. Well, especially <laughs> at that age when you're trying to figure For out who sure. the hell you are. Like that is a pivotal age. Yeah. And I remember too, was like with my eating disorder, like looking back at it now, like yes, I struggled with it for 20 years. Biggest, biggest, biggest blessing. And back then, like I know like my parents didn't have enough money to pay for me to be able to get treatment, which again, super big blessing because I had to go find out what worked for me. But I remember it'd be stuff like my dad, like, well, just pray harder. And because my dad's oh. amazing. Like he just didn't know. He didn't understand it. And he, my, my family, like spirituality and God is just really important to all of them. And luckily my parents were pretty open-minded there our whole life. They were always like, Hey, you need to search. You need to look. And my mom was a convert. So I remember right around 28, 29, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was like, I've, I've done all the things. I've literally done all of the things. And if I still feel this empty, no way can I believe in a God that wants me to feel like this. Right. And I have to say, like, I don't think it's, I think every religion has, when it comes in and you're taking man's perspective on it, it's going to be thwarted. It's going to be twisted. Mm -hmm. And I actually do believe that there's beautiful things in Mormonism. But for me at that time, I was like, I, so I just gone through, gone through a divorce and it was very pivotal because I had experiences where I was like, God, and I've talked about this before. Um, I have a video on Facebook about it that goes into it where I was like, I knew I was supposed to marry this man, but I also like had the feeling like I'm not staying married. I was like, um, first off, that's Satan. There's no way, (laughs) there's no way, no way that God could be telling me this. But it was hard because it was like, but I, because I'd always tried to develop this relationship with God and it's different now than it was then. I was like, I I couldn't get over this feeling. Like we broke up like 17 times, like Mm. over and over, even before we like got engaged, he'd asked me to marry him. I told him no, it was like a month. And then I'm like, I have to marry him. Like I was just so strong. And so anyways, I'd gone through this whole divorce process and I had some experiences where it was like I'd gone into like, cause I was living in my little brother's ward and I was like, yeah, I think I need to get divorced. And so he was like, oh yeah, I called the bishop. We get called in for the bishop and the bishop is like, you can't, God would never tell you that. But I was like, here's one thing. I knew the scriptures really well cause I was a missionary and mm-hmm. you studied those all day long. Yeah. <laughs> and just the way that my brain works, it was like, well, here's a pattern. What's this? And the one thing that I saw in the scriptures is like, yes, God has laws. Yes, he has rules. But every single time, every story that is told is basically, here's basically what you should do for the most part of your life. But this one, you need to do it differently. Like Nephi killing Laban. And I was like, so when they're telling me that God would never tell you that, I'm like, wait, um, pretty sure God told Nephi to kill Laban. If I'm going to go on the scale of sins, I think murder is a little higher than divorce. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I think it's higher up there. And so I was just wrestling. I was like, okay, I don't understand. Like, would God do this? But then it's like sometimes you talk about having your Abrahamic test. Again, murder. I don't know why murder is always a big one in the Bible or in the scriptures. But like like um, Abraham was like, I need to go kill my son. But then I was like, oh, no, this was the test to see if you followed me. So I remember sitting in front of my – well, talk to the bishop – Bishop didn't know how to handle me, so I got sent up to like the stake president. He didn't know how to handle you because you were like, hey, but wait a minute, and this and this and this. Well, this is the thing that's really hard is there are a lot of things sometimes in religion that don't make sense because Mm -hmm. it's like, well, just trust and you just trust. You just need to trust and it'll all make sense later. But I was a little kid that when they're telling me faith can move mountains, I was like, how? How exactly? Is it actual mountain? Is it metaphor? Like, is it moving a mountain because I had the faith to go get a shovel or is it like this energy thing? Like, I always thought that way mm-hmm. and I was always looking at things like well, why does this work like this and why is this like this and so I would look at things and so when I would tell them it was so um, common sense that literally 
I and now now looking back, I was breaking their foundation, mm-hmm. and that some people don't want their foundation broken, and it's actually pretty mean to do that. So I kind of got reprimanded by God from some of these things. But they'd ask me things. I'm like, well, but what about this? God would never tell you to do this, really, because He told Nephi and Abraham to do that. What if this is my Abrahamic test? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I supposed to know? What's the difference? What's the difference? Yeah. And if the scriptures. And I actually still really love the scriptures. I kind of feel like it's like the first personal development book, but I look at them very differently. And I would go back. I'm like, yeah, but the scriptures say this. And they couldn't say that that's not true. It's mm-hmm. literally taught like, you'll have your Abrahamic test. Well, what if this is mine? I'm not going to not do it because some man who's going to be a bishop or state president for five years is telling me something like, this is my life. Right. And in Mormonism, this is my eternity too. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going through that. And it was really cool because as I was leaving like the experience with the bishop and the stake president. And again, I think these men actually were really trying. I don't think they were trying to be like, well, I really do believe that they had like good intentions in their heart. But when you get so focused and you're so programmed to look at it in one way, That's when someone's going to break the program, they ha- they're fighting everything. Like, no, this is the truth. No, this is the truth. Mm-hmm. No, this is the truth. And when I'd come in, I'm like, look, I'm praying. You know, they're like, well, how do you know? I'm like, I have spent months on my knees. Like, will you pray about it? Well, I don't know. So again, when I went in to see the stake president, he, I was, I would tell him like these things. Look, I have been, I have literally been on my knees for months. This has been years in the process. I have followed it. And this is what I feel like God's telling me to do. And, um, and he'd say stuff like, well, you're breaking your temple covenants. And I would literally be in the office and I'm having this conversation with God or like Jesus. It was Jesus at the time. Um, and I'm like, Hey, that sounds valid. He's, and I just get the feeling that they're like, well, no, like you made the covenant with us. And even if you break it with him, you haven't done anything to break the covenants. It wasn't like I was going out mm-hmm. and being like, Oh, I did something, which is funny. Cause it came across my mind. Go do something. So they'll be like, go have an affair. I'm like, first off, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't have to have a reason to make this choice, right. you know, which is, seems interesting, right? It's oh like yeah. You had to have some big thing. It was why you would get a divorce besides, Hey, it's just what I'm feeling. I need to do. Exactly. And it was like, cause they're like, well, is he beating you? I'm like, no. Well, is he into pornography? Well, no. Is he, are, are you guys cheating on each other? No. Is there drugs involved? No. Then what's the problem? I'm like, I just like from the foundation of my being, no, I've had these crazy spiritual experiences that says that this is not where either one of us are supposed to be. But well, this was also an important experience. And were you not happy? Yeah. 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 Well, it's not that I wasn't happy. It was like, no. I mean, I was unhappy you guys with broke life. up 17 times. <laughs> yes. It, we obviously weren't a good match and everyone knew it. Yeah. But it wasn't because he was a bad guy. Like you guys literally, like my ex-husband, he has a good heart. He is a good man. He treats women amazingly. Like he's married now with two kids. Like he has, well, I haven't been in contact for a long time, but I think he has a really good life. It looks like he's happy <laughs> for what he wanted, but we just wanted different lives. Like right. I was always going to be diving in and searching and challenging things. And for him, it was more of like, oh, hey, 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 like, let's just like, Kind of the white picket fence life, which nothing wrong Mm -hmm. with that. Like, let's just go to church. Let's do our things. Let's like talk about surface level stuff. And I'm like, I got to talk about everything. (laughs) I want to have this deep. You don't understand. (laughs) No, you don't understand. I need to dive into the whys and how does this work? But he didn't ever want to go there. So either one of us, we're going to have to change. Yeah. But I did like, even before we got married, I had an experience that was almost like, and again, I can't say like this was absolutely true, but it just played out true. I just had this feeling. It was like almost like before we came here, I was like, hey, we're going to have this experience. Like it's almost like I found a friend. I was like, hey, so there's going to be an experience. It's going to be good for me. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for your family. It's going to be for my family. Like, are you in? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. and it was like, but I could see massive changes happened to my family because I did this. I, well, I don't know for sure what happened in his, but I could tell like 
going in and making a different choice, but doing it in love and mm-hmm. doing it with God's support. A very conscious. Decision. Very consciously, because it was, it, it, no one could, it, there was no reason besides, you know, oh no, you just made a bad choice. Anyway, so sitting in the state president's office, um, and he, so he was like saying, well, you know, they would like threaten to take my temple recommend away. And I'm thinking, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, well, right. you're not listening to us, which again, I don't think the church, I think sometimes leaders, sometimes when you get power and you're doing things, they're human. They're human. So I don't want to say that these men are bad. I think I, I genuinely believe they were trying their best to save my soul. Yeah. In their way of what they thought it was. Well, and that's part of the foundation of Mormon religion is mm-hmm. the missionary work, missionary oh, for work, sure. missionary work. And they believe. This is the only true church on the face of the planet. And yeah. so, yes, it's ingrained mm-hmm. in people that are choosing in that we have to save people that are thinking they're stepping out. Exactly. And so it's like, I don't want to, so it's not like, oh my gosh, I think they were trying to destroy me. No, I really think from the, like, it was coming from a place of, hey, we care about you and you have to do this. You have to do this. Yeah. Because again, if they didn't believe that they had to save my soul, then they have to question their foundation. They have mm-hmm. to question their beliefs. And you guys, questioning, getting out of a religion, it's tough. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Like if you, this is what I always tell people. If people are not asking, leave them. Because if they don't have their own desire to push to the end, it is dark. It is painful. It's a death. It It is is a death process that you go through for sure. Yeah. Well, too, because in Mormonism, like if you you haven't been a Mormon, it's hard to describe what it is because it's not like, oh, well, you just go to church on Sunday. Just find a new church. No. (laughs) That's not. You don't understand. This is a live, breathe. This is a live, breathe, everyday thing. In the DNA. And let's be honest, though, it is past this lifetime this is eternity so you're not even thinking about just this life this is what happens to me after my die what is the like the existence of this whole universe and my place in it Mm -hmm. and so it's triggering safety pieces how does this look like the fabric of my reality it's just so much bigger than just you go to church on sunday well the ripple effect is quite fascinating to witness and I'm I'm hesitant. I'm like I'm debating about sharing this or not. But in energetics, when you work in the energetic realm, mm-hmm. that Mormon religion is the only one that's anchored in the superconscious, which is connected to the root, the crown chakra. Mm-hmm. All other religions are anchored down in the lower realms, which is our subconscious, right? Yes. So yes, the superconscious yes, yes. or the subconscious, mm-hmm. and Mormonism is anchored in the superconscious, yeah. which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. So let's say Joseph knew how to actually navigate. Joseph Smith know, knew how to navigate. I think the realm is awesome <laughs> and knew how to anchor things in and you know what regardless of his intentions and all that stuff it's really so when you're talking about the ripple effect and how massive this is I mean it's it's anchored in all of the energetic bodies and the physical body and the DNA in the subconscious the conscious oh, the sure. super conscious like it is every the family system there's just so much. And truthfully, there is, I believe there is so much truth in Mormonism. Mm-hmm. There's so many things. And again, when I say like, I love Joseph Smith, you guys, if anybody's gone through a spiritual awakening, if anybody documented that, you'd be crazy too. <laughs> like you would be a straight up crazy person. You make big messes. You do all these different things. And so it's like, I look at it, but it's like, there's so much truth as I've gone to search outside of it. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, maybe Joseph was actually trying to do this. And a lot of his story was written after he died too. So yeah. like people get to see what it is. Who knows? Who knows? But I'm grateful for the fact, because there are beliefs that came from Mormonism that absolutely I think are there's so 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 much truth so with going through your divorce mm-hmm. was that the do you feel like that was the catalyst for that you? was a catalyst for me so I had a because of like my eating disorder there was a lot of body image issues there was like what are people going to think of me yeah and I can look back and say 
oh, that broke the mold for me. I was no longer like the perfect, mm-hmm. which is funny. Cause I, I mean, I don't even know if people thought that, but in my mind, I was like, no, I did all the right things. I served a mission. I was like the cheerleader. I was nice. I was sweet. Like, you know, um, I felt like my appearance was always super important. There was a lot that I felt I had an image and mm-hmm. going through the divorce 100% broke that. Yeah. And I had, and, and it was cool as I was going through it being so guided by God because my relationship with God got so strong. Mm-hmm. Because when people would come at me with things like, you know, the state president's telling me this things and crazy things would happen because he's like, well, give me some kind of proof. Give me some kind of proof of why a divorce is okay. Anywhere in the scriptures or conference talk. And I was like, Dude's got me. I have never seen this anywhere, right? I literally go home. I go to sleep. I tell my mom. And my mom knew. I mean, my mom was so not for me getting married. So she was kind of like, okay, yeah, let's, you know. That I night. Knew this was coming. <laughs> that night, someone sends her co- a conference talk, like, back with Joseph. Oh, my gosh. No, Joseph F. Smith. So here's the background. on Joseph S. Smith, he got divorced from his first wife before he went into polygamy. So this would be, like, a regular typical divorce, not like a polygamy divorce. Right. I, I don't know why I feel like that would be not as bad. But anyways, it was from his first <laughs> wife, my mind, his first wife. So he has this co- t- conference talk that says, um, when you, um, what's bound on earth is bound in heaven, but what's loosed on earth is also loosed in heaven. And he's like, it would be merciful for us, for two people who are incompatible, to let them separate ways to find people they're more compatible with. And I was like, oh my gosh, first off, like, God, like, I've never even seen that. We, we've tried to go back and find it. Like, well, actually, I think my mom probably has it, but you know, it's like, Oh, like this to me is like, you asked, God gave, look, I'm thinking like, look, God says this is okay. Like, look at this. So I go back. Well, you, I I think it's fascinating. I love how your brain works. You know that. (laughs) Michelle's amazing at so many things. You're a hypnotherapist and you practice NLP. Uh When I need my brain broken from a program, (laughs) Michelle's the girl I see. But with the, what you just quoted and you remembered all of it, can you say it again? Yes. So what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. And what's loosed on earth is also loosed in heaven. And it would be merciful for us to let two people who are incompatible to be able to separate rights, ways, separate ways and find people that they're more compatible with. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be super. Because this is the thing like, I realized. Like, doesn't that feel like more of a loving place? Oh, my gosh. Well, this is the thing I realized. For me and my ex to make life work, one of us was going to have to massively give up everything they wanted. And why on earth would you ever want your person to do that? That's just almost like, I was like, and it's, but the thing it's is, like, it's not like what I wanted was better than what he wanted or what he different. wanted was better than what I wanted. They were just different. We yeah. wanted different life experiences. Mm-hmm. And so, but I remember, so I go back in and I'm so excited. Like, I'm so excited. <gasps> Here's like, proof. Oh my gosh, I got proof. <laughs> I get in there and I'm like dying, you know? And I was like, hey, so you remember that homework? He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I found it. And he looks at me, he's like, okay. So I tell him that exact phrase and instantly he like closes his arms. <laughs> Folds his arms. And again, like- you guys, because I have literally now go on, gone up against with proof with his his belief because he thought he had me. I thought he had me. I was like, yep, dude one, like dude one. Right. And I tell him that and he looks at me, he's like, well, the first thing I would say is, do you believe in living prophets or dead prophets? I was oh, like, boy. what is happening right now? And I was like, okay, I gotta take a breath. He's like, yeah. So basically anything a living prophet says supersedes dead prophets. And I was like, well, I believe in the book of Mormon. Right. Because that's the whole, the keystone of the and religion. Who, who wrote? Is, and those are dead prophets, right? And he's like, well, and I was like, well, you're supposed to be reading conference talks every day. But this is the thing. Again, I, I want to say his brain is now having to make justifications because if he were to say that I was right, he literally has to go in and change everything. So I don't want to say it because he was like trying to downplay me and say that I was wrong. But for his own mental sanity, he had to start throwing anything he could out. 
And I kind of feel bad because I was really trying to be like, okay, God, what are you doing next? So then the next part, he was like, and I was like, uh, well, I believe that I'm supposed to read the Book of Mormon every day. He's like, well, no, 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 you do that because the conference talks tells you to read the Book of Mormon every day. So I do want to pause here because I think this is a really, really, really huge piece. And the reason why I titled this podcast, Leaving Religion and Those We Leave Behind, is this thing right here Mm -hmm. that you're bumping up against that most people will have with loved ones, especially family members that are still in, there is this battle that starts to happen. And Mm -hmm. then a division of the family starts to happen or the person that's leaving feels like, screw this, I'm out. And we'll step out of it because it's so argumentative. And, oh, goodness. And what you're saying is exactly what is happening. Mm-hmm. Regardless of if they're conscious of it or not, yep. they are being forced to question their belief system. Me, my mother, she she actually will not. Anyway, long story. <laughs> but me choosing out now forces her to question, what do I really believe as far as eternal families and what will happen? Because my records are removed. She knows all of that. So what does she really believe now? Mm-hmm. And that would happen with anybody. Oh my gosh. And I and this is the thing that I would say, like if you are in, obviously if you're listening to this podcast, I'm guessing that you're probably More, in, you're some in some phase. kind of set phase of it. I was like, I want you to think how much pain are you in right now? Right. Because more often than not, I guarantee there's probably anger of a, like there's probably massive anger, which anger is just the cover up and protection for sadness. There is probably massive grease and pain going inside. So one of the biggest things, because one of the cool things in my experience, like I didn't lose my family. Like I was able to move through it, but I didn't tell my family. My parents knew the whole time and they were, because my mom was a convert, she's like, how can I deny you the experience that I had? Yeah, I had to go find. So luckily I had that. Right. But for two years, I didn't tell anybody because it was such a painful thing, but I also didn't know where I was. So if people questioned me, I knew I was going to fight back. I would say things that wouldn't be nice. I'd want to challenge their beliefs. And so no, like if people are coming at you, how you view it is how, cause like for me, like connection was important. My family was important to me mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, like how is there a way to be able to move through this and not have to completely obliterate? Cause I'd seen people, they leave, they're like, I'll F my family. Right. I'm like, but I love my family. And, but it took me two years before I was so confident in it where I could even tell my brothers. Yeah. Cause when I told my brothers, my one brother was yelling at me. He's like, Michelle, you're better than this. You're smarter than this. And because I was finally okay like I finally had to be okay with right. it that when he did it, it was fine because I, because be, in that two years I was like, well, what if I am making a mistake? What if I'm like literally screwing it's up my a huge decision. entire, like my entire, like eternal salvation is on the line here. Well, and this was the part that finally I was able to let go because I was a very obedient. I just did. I was like, no, like I want to be obedient. Like I'd always had that desire to serve God from the beginning. And I finally got to the point. I was like, okay. So back then I still believed in the judgment bar. And I was like, well, oh man, I totally forgot about I know, that. Because there's what they talk about it, right? <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're getting, we're here to make sure we can pass into right. the social kingdom. <laughs> but I remember, but, it, but that was important to me. I was like, well, what, what's going to happen? What if I'm like keeping myself, you know, stuck and I'm going to damning myself? And I remember thinking, I was like, well, <clears throat> I would rather be at the judgment bar. And if God's like, Michelle, you got it wrong. I'd rather be like, well, God, I was trying really hard to hear your voice. Mm -hmm. And this is what I thought you were telling me. So I needed you to speak up louder because I was seeking you and I did what I thought you were telling me. And 
because I felt like that would be better than, well, God, I thought you were, he's like, well, Michelle was telling you to go here and you just listen to everyone else. Like I, I was like, right. I felt like it would be better. Be like, I was trying, I'd have more mercy <laughs> trying to do what I thought he was telling me than be like, well, I heard you, but they said you, I was wrong. So I just listened to them. Like I felt in my mind, that was the final thing that broke, broke that hold on me. Like, okay, you are, I, cause genuinely my heart was trying my best. I really wanted to seek and I really wanted to know. Mm-hmm. And I also think sometimes when people leave religion, they start to still crazy, right? Because you're in so much pain mm-hmm. and it's traumatic. It's and super people traumatic. who are in trauma do crazy stuff. Like mm-hmm. you do crazy stuff where you look back, you're like, oh my, who was that person? And luckily, because for me, leaving religion was I really wanted to know God more. But I had already started with the foundation because I know some people are leaving there. I don't know if I know God at all. And then they want to lump God into the Mormon religion. I was like, guys, guess what? No religion has like the trademark on God. Although he's got none, <laughs> as silly as this is, I mean, it there is a Mormon God. There is a Mormon God that most, and this is why, again, I wanted to have you on the podcast mm-hmm. because even as you're describing right now, with what was one of your like moving past moments of, well, I'd rather say, hey, I was trying to listen to you instead of listening to everyone else. Mm-hmm. That is not the norm because yeah. actually, in the temple ordinances, when you you as a female, you bow your head and say yes to your husband as he listens to God. I mean, oh, that yeah, is, that's right. That is one of those things. And so it is ingrained even in there that women are subservient, subservient to their husbands. Now, I've yeah. heard this may have changed as far as the temple. I, I believe, I think it was my mom who actually told me because of that patriarchy piece that's so heavy in the Mormon religion that yeah. is challenging for most women. Yeah. But you didn't have any of that, which is unusual, Michelle. Like well, your I, relationship with with God at a very young age was God, 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 not Mormon God. And that's one thing I do know. I think like I remember, which is so my patriarchal blessing. I actually, there's still things I'm like, I still, that's the one thing from Mormonism. I'm like, look, that person was directly trying to get stuff for me. So there's things in there. And one of the things it talked about is I was gifted the gift of faith mm. which i thought was so dumb when i got it i'm like no faith like <laughs> but i'm like oh that's actually that is a gift but i also i have to give a lot of credit to my father um i had an extremely unconditionally loving father mm. like he just loved me no matter what when i was in the midst of my eating stuff he's like michelle your body doesn't matter your per- like i love you you're fine mm. and because i had such an unconditionally loving father it was easy for me to imagine a god that would be that way mm-hmm. so when they talk about god in a certain way i'd be like mm. i could question it because my lived human experience of a father was different Mm -hmm. but i also know not everyone has that and so i know for me i think that helped to think that of course god would be loving because i have a loving father and so when they'd say well god is gonna like testing you i was like well if god's supposed to be better than my dad my dad would never do that yeah so i could conditional love it's unconditional love that i've experienced that so i had something to go back and test it against and so i think that definitely helped me and I think it's hard because if people have fathers that are mean, that are very judgmental and they're always testing you, then you would buy into that story more. Mm-hmm. But for me, it just was always like, they'd say, I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's right. Because if God's supposed to be better than my dad, my dad would never do that. Mm-hmm. And so it was easier for me to see God in that way, which definitely helped me for sure. So one of the things that we talked about when we were at breakfast was, um, and I'm trying to think if we, I think, if, did I interrupt any part of your story? That you wanted to share before I move on to, to I don't know. That was the catalyst, the divorce. But yeah, basically the divorce was the catalyst. Um, after like I had the whole thing, like I did. Like if you want to hear more of like the actual story, it's on my Facebook page somewhere. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) 
summer. But and I can post. I can post. A link yeah, to that yeah, yeah. Um, so you can or hear like the, the whole story of that. But basically, that was the catalyst, and it was enough. Like I felt like I broke my image enough that I it set me free to be able to go and start to explore. Yeah. Well, in Mormonism too, there is a we're here to become essentially as perfect as we can. Mm-hmm. Like it's this idea of perfection. Yes. So yes, you had all these body images, but I I would bet, and you work with people that are transi- transitioning out, mm-hmm. how many of your clients come into you with one of those as a major issue? Oh, what are people going to sure. think? I'm not perfect enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not oh, whatever. It's all like the s- enoughs. The, the good enough piece, no matter men, women, whatever, it always comes down to that, which is yeah. so funny because it's not even a thing. It's not. And it's so funny that we buy into it. But it is something that is... I mean, and this is probably across any religion, not necessarily Mormonism, but it is deeply seated in the Mormonism. And as I, for me, as I shifted out of Mormonism, God was one of those things. I could not pick up books that had God in it. Like it was, I was angry. My God died. And when my God died, the foundation of everything dissolved. Like it was painful. Well, it's true because like I have a lot of my clients that come in to see me. They're like, Michelle, you're really rooted in God. I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, if I would have known that, I would have never come. I'm like, I know. (laughs) Stop talking about God. Trigger, trigger, trigger. I was like, they're just like, I just like, but God's not what I thought. I'm like, I know. So it's taken, so I left in 2012. And so I ended up making peace with, okay, God, I can replace with something else. The Mm -hmm. word God, I can replace with source universe. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And I've Mm -hmm. done that for quite a while. And then of course, when this book idea comes in, the podcast idea comes in, it's like, oh, now I get to have a new relationship with God and what that actually looks like. And sitting at breakfast, Mm -hmm. and I had asked you a question, why is it that you always consult God? Because to me... (laughs) I am a God, yes. right? And uh-huh. I said this to you. And uh-huh. I said, why? You have your own sovereignty. Like there's a sovereignty piece that kind mm-hmm. of it pings up against. So why would you always, why would you always ask Michelle or Michelle, why would you always ask God yeah. and kind of give away some of your power? And mm-hmm. do you remember what your response was? Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, so you are God. And I, I literally look at her. I open my hand. I'm like, cool. So if you're God, I want one piece of grain in my sand, one piece of sand, grain of sand in my hand right now. Just make a pair. She's like, what? Well, if you're God, then you should be able to do that. I'm like, I'll take a piece of sugar, flour, rock, anything just in my hand right now. She's like, well, uh, no, if you're going to claim to be God, then you have to have the powers that God has. Because if he can create all of this, mm-hmm. and again, I say he, I think I, I'll be the first to say, I don't know if God's a he or whatever. I don't think it matters for me. Having a daddy in the sky seems awesome. But I'm like, look. <laughs> <laughs> but that is individual to everyone. Exactly. Yeah. It's totally individual. And I also believe that God does not care. Um, but I'm like, if, if, okay, cool. So, what did you do to create this? Uh-huh. If you can't give me one grain piece of grain in your sand, like, I'm sorry, but you can't give me the proof for me to buy in that you were God. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do love about Mormonism is they teach you that you can become like God. And I do believe that's a thing. I do believe that each one of us have the DNA and the makeup to become like God. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing with the Jesus story, though. I believe that Jesus came here and the way that he saved us is by showing us what was possible. He showed us the way and what you can do to be able to come like God. And because of that, he's like, this power is in you. Because mm-hmm. it talks about, it's like, if you follow Jesus, like, you know, Jesus himself said, greater things will you do. You guys, he walked on water. He healed people from the dead. He resurrected himself. Like, mm-hmm. again, that's why I go back to the scriptures. If you believe the scriptures, then you have to believe you're not going to like, well, I, this part, I'm going to make this part fit to me. No, you either believe them or you don't. Mm-hmm. And if Jesus is coming in and saying, you know, greater things will you do, that's either true or it's not. There's not a, well, that's like metaphor. No, it's like. It happens. This it is, this sure is, did. this is my thing that I believe that it does. So I believe, I'm like, cool. I know that I can't do what God does. I can't even do what Jesus does. So if there is a source, God, that I can tap into who can teach me how to do this, 
then I want to know. And you want to know it as someone who is a mentor and a coach, I look at who are my best clients. They're the ones that ask the best questions. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that go do what they're told to do. And they're super humble. So when I approach my relationship with God, I'm like, cool, I know that I'm here and you have to teach me things, teach me about this. So it's not so much that I'm giving away my power, I'm gaining my power. And I'm learning how to harness what it is. I'm like, well, how do I use this? Okay, well, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. And so that's how I approach my relationship with God. Well, I think that was the piece is I, because it pinged me <laughs> so much, especially because, especially when you leave something like religion, where you have been told what to do and how to be for so long, yep. there's that pendulum swing that does yep, happen. Always. Now, mine wasn't like a huge, I wasn't super angry. I didn't do a lot of those things. But that sovereignty piece of mm-hmm. I'm my own person and nobody yep. can tell me what to do. And I can find all the answers within everything that I have mm-hmm. is within, which is true. Mm-hmm. And the piece that you said that I'm like, okay, okay. It's the guru part. The why would I not have God as my guru, so to speak, my mentor, my guide, my whatever? Because no, okay, we may be we're more gods in training mm-hmm. of learning how to become more of our unbelievable selves mm-hmm. and be more Christ-like and all the things. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I can't I can't make this table all of a sudden disintegrate right in front of our eyes. But God could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. And even just opening to that. That idea. I've had some interesting experiences <laughs> since then. Well, it's definitely humbling. You get to go in and look because I think sometimes it's like, okay, cool. When I look at it, it's like, okay, in religion, we're kind of like more of like, there's kind of like phases, right? Like, again, I'm super grateful I was raised Mormon. I learned how to be obedient. I, it gave me a solid foundation. So when I was ready to kind of start breaking the rules, I already knew how to follow the rules, right? Well, the ones that I was taught. So I knew I had the discipline to do that. But it's kind of like a childlike relationship. And then I think sometimes we go into the kind of like the angry teenage phase, right? No, I can do what I want when I want. Awesome. Cool. What are the results? Mm-hmm. And then you get to a point like, I don't know if I really like this. Wait, mm-hmm. I just don't feel the way that I thought that it would feel. Wait, I'm not getting the results that I have. And then you start to move into a little bit more of like the wise adult where it's like, hey, because I guess let's be honest. You know, when we're kids, we like listen to our parents. We think they're amazing. We get into teenagers. Like, they know nothing. And our parents are like, okay. Go for it. And then you come back as you get older, you're like, mom, you, oh my gosh, my mom is so smart. She knew the whole time. (laughs) And I kind of feel like it's that way with God. He's like, cool. Like he's always going to let you have your experience. Uh And at some point it's like, how much more pain do you want to keep having? How much do you want to keep bumping up against the same problems over and over when it literally is just learning how to develop a relationship with him to tap in, to get some guidance, to make it a little bit easier? Mm-hmm. Like that's when I feel like you're starting to step into the, the wise place where you don't feel like you have to keep constantly breaking down every single wall. Like you get tired and it's mm-hmm. painful. Yeah. But well, I do think it's kind of part of the phase. It's kind of like the angry teenager. Well, and I, I think it's important to allow ourselves to move through the phases, sure. right? And we don't have to get – I think one of the challenges is is a lot of people get stuck. Yeah. They get stuck in the anger phase because it feels better to actually continue attacking. And and there is an element when people leave of, holy crap, I've had the wool pulled over my eyes for how long? And mm-hmm. so there's anger that naturally comes up and feeling sure. betrayed. Mm-hmm. And so then it's a lashing out, lashing out, lashing out. And it really serves no purpose at no. all. Mm-mm. And a lot of times you're like, wanting to make it about the thing. Well, the, ch- the church is all bad. I'll be the first to say, I think the church is absolutely, there's some people 
that it is, it creates the most beautiful life. Like my younger brother is still in the church and it is beautiful. It gives him a place to serve. It gives him a place for his family to have community. Like he has a place to donate his money. Like it is creating a beautiful family for what he wants to create. So for me to go and say like, no, you need That's to do it wrong. my way. Yeah. Like literally think about that. That's You're upset. It's so <laughs> hypocritical. You are upset because you were part of an organization that was making you do it your their way. But now you have a new way and now you want to go disrupt it to have them do it your way. Like think about that. Yeah. No. No, everybody gets to choose their way. And the church is beautiful for a lot of people. Right. It serves them. It and they're choosing does. into it. And that's one of the pieces that um, is hard for a lot of people, especially when they're going through the phases of, hey, at some level, you chose into this. Yeah. And you did continue to choose through, into it until you chose out. Yep. So you get to take accountability for those pieces, mm-hmm. learn what it is you need to learn, mm-hmm. and then move forward. Yeah. And And you can stay in the anger piece for as long as you want. But as long as you are blaming something outside of yourself and you're not looking at you, the only thing you can change is yourself. Literally, the only thing you can change is yourself. So if you're spending time on the outside, it's like, good luck. That's going to be a painful, lifelong process and you will never get the results that you're looking for. Yeah. And And why do they need to change? You literally want them to change because they made you change. Like you're doing the same thing. Right. (laughs) And I think that that's a really good, you kind of teased on that a little bit, but it would be a good question for anyone who's in though, that's listening, that's kind of in that phase of what is it that you're wanting? Mm -hmm. And is what you're doing right now getting you towards that goal? Are you wanting peace? Are you wanting that connection to something outside yourself? Are you wanting those things? What are you doing to actually move forward towards that? Well, I think that is one thing that I think is really, really important. I've definitely found it in like healing and like your personal journey. Because a lot of times it can be really like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Like, how is this even working? Is it working? Do I feel better? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Mm -hmm. And it can be such a chaotic experience. But when you get really like, definitely, you want to be feeling this stuff and being the spiritual, but like bringing in that logical piece. Well, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Are you getting it? And if you're not getting it, then you have to take like, bite the bullet, swallow your ego and realize, okay, I, what I'm doing is not getting me to where I want to go. So just adjust. Mm-hmm. Cause it doesn't mean anything about you. You're learning, like have some compassion with yourself and have some compassion with other people. Right. <laughs> like that's the whole thing about it. It's like you changing deep ingrained lifelong built-in systems for a lot of people and when you do something different especially if you're happy oh my gosh they do not know how to take it that was the biggest (laughs) thing like when i left my family not left my family left the church it took me two years you guys two years i took two years before i told my family why because i had to be solid because i didn't know how they were going to handle it and i couldn't have people questioning when i was questioning because then i'd freak out right i could i could be the only one questioning in my in my reality so once i was solid and my brother was like you're better than this michelle you're smarter than this i was like Okay. And at first, this this is when I learned to not question people's reality. Because we had two conversations with my brother. One, the first one I was like listening and I was like, no, but Blake, this is why, this is this. And I'm trying to tell him all the beautiful things that were happening and he couldn't hear it. I was like, I just said his name, but I've told it before. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he already knows. The story's already out. Anyways, so then... We had another conversation again at his house and his sweet wife like goes upstairs. <laughs> She's like, I'm out. Guys, we're Greek. <laughs> we are Greek. So even our normal conversations sound like fights, <laughs> but it, he was going at me again. And all of a sudden in the middle of it, I, God came in and was like, Michelle, you stop right now. And I was like, I'm getting reprimanded right now. He's like, you are trying for him to even be able to understand you at all. He'd have to question his foundation. Mm-hmm. And how painful has it been for you to question your foundation? I was like, this has been literally the most painful thing I've ever done. Like Mm -hmm. literally like gut-wrenchingly painful. He's like, he is not even asking you stop. And I was like, you're right. He's like, all you're wanting to do is for him to understand you. You're wanting justification. Do you, are you questioning this at all? I'm like, no, you do not need his validation at all. Mm -hmm. 
and it is mean, he would literally have to break his entire foundation for him to even be able to understand you. And at that point, I was like, you're right. So I, I stopped. You guys, it took six years, you guys, but I became happier. I was more loving. And so for them, they're like, wait, I'm told that when someone leaves that they become angry, they start sleeping around, they start doing all the drugs. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any of that. They could see I became lighter. I was happier. I wasn't this depressed, sad girl anymore. I was kinder to them. I'd like show up and I'd babysit their kids for free. I'd want to do that anyways. But like I was just being more of who I naturally was. <laughs> you were being more Christ-like. I was being way more Christ-like. And it took six years. But when my brother was like, hey, like I, I don't know if I have a relationship with God. Will you help me? He comes to me. He comes to me, not anyone else in the family, not the other ones. Mm-hmm. He was like, hey, you have something that I want. And guys, it took six years. And I had zero expectation my brother would ever approve of me. But all of a sudden it came. Yeah. But it was like I decided that I could still be in my family and they didn't have to approve of anything. And I would just be kind. And sometimes they'd say stuff I'm like, oh, that hurt. But anytime they'd say something that would hurt me, I wouldn't lash back. I'd go handle my stuff. Why does what, that hurt? Hold, okay. <laughs> what do you mean by handling your stuff? Because so, a lot of people don't understand that. This yeah. is in our everyday yeah, like, vernacular. Sometimes I'm like saying things. They're like, what's that jargon? <gasps> My mom always says, like, you have the weirdest jargon. I'm like, okay. Well, jargon, that's like your word too. Anyways. <laughs> um, handling your stuff is if my brother would say something or – anybody in my family. And even if it's like, we'll just take if it was around religion. I, and it was painful. Usually I'd get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. I'd have this rush of emotion. And usually you want to attack back. At least that's my thing. Lash out. Someone yep. gets me, I want to lash right back. Yeah. And so instead of lashing back, I'd be like, ooh, why does this bother me? And usually why it would bother me, my mind big, because they're being mean, they're doing this. I'm like, okay, cool. So we're going to have it not be about them because I can't <laughs> change them. But when it would trigger inside me, I'd go like, okay, why does this hurt? Like, why is this making either? Why is this making me angry? Why is this making me sad? And then I'd start asking questions. And again, I do this either because I was yourself with myself, but I sometimes go to sessions because sometimes you can't see your own stuff. Right. (laughs) And I'd go in and usually would be something like, well, because you feel unsafe. You don't know if you are valuable or if you're Mm -hmm. enough. You don't know if, you know, you're being accepted right now. So I would go in, I'd work the piece with inside of me. It's like, okay, well, if I'm not feeling accepted, where am I still not accepting myself? Mm -hmm. Where am I still looking for outside validations to be enough? And I'd go in and work those pieces. So that would be like my stuff. Yeah, I'd go in and like, what's the big wound? Something that I believe Uh that's not true. And how do I handle it with inside myself with nobody having to do anything? Yeah, which... When we, and this is that big sovereignty piece because mm-hmm. really everything is a reflection of our inner state yep. and, and who we are. Mm-hmm. So the more we can have opportunities like triggers, which are opportunities to look at our stuff, it's a really, it's painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's challenging to close your mouth and not uh, to respond. It's, it's like hard. there's a fire going inside of you and you're like closing your mouth and you're burning from the inside out. <laughs> well, and one of my, one of my biggest triggers, this was years ago when I was 19, I was diagnosed as bipolar, which mm-hmm. was a misdiagnosis, but I carried it for years. Mm-hmm. And then when I go through my leaving religion, getting divorced, and I hadn't been on medication for like at that point, maybe 12 years, mm-hmm. anybody with bipolar cannot go and have a normal functioning, healthy life and not be on medication. Mm -hmm. So I've been off for however long. My mom says to me, do you think maybe you're going through a bipolar phase? And I was like, are you bleeping kidding me? Oh, well, yes. I go through bipolar a lot. Sometimes schizophrenia. Like, what do you want to do? do? I'm like, mom, do you realize that everyone cycles? Everyone cycles. Oh, my gosh. Like, the idea that we always stay like the same is 
like it's an unrealistic nothing, expectation. Well, is there anything in nature that stays the same? No. Nothing stays the same. Right. So I had to, and I had, she had said it kind of a few other times and that was one that really stung because here I am feeling like I'm making my own choice. I'm yeah. sovereign. I'm doing similar to you. I had these answers that it was like, you can't refute it when you get those answers. It nope. just is. Mm-hmm. And now I'm being labeled as crazy. Yeah. Right. And that one's a tricky one. And I had to sit with that. And I remember doing a session. Mm -hmm. And really, at the end of the day, it was what part of me actually believes that I must be crazy to make this choice. And could I be be okay with, you know what? What if I was bipolar? Does that mean that I'm a horrible person? No. Mm -mm. And those are those painful places. They're painful to look at. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you're like having like, I think it's harder with people in your family because you have this expectation that they should show up in a certain way. I was like, no, well, it's my mom. She should love me and she should just accept me. Unconditional love. Guess what? The way that you want it might never come. Right. Literally might never come. But can you show up and love them the way that they want to be loved? Because that was a big thing with my family. I was like, look, it's important to me to have a relationship. So I'm not going to expect them to have to do anything. But I'm showing up because this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And as long as I'm making them have to show up in a certain way. And you know what? Sometimes there are places where it's just, it's toxic. And sometimes you have to take space for a little while. Yeah. There were times where I'm like, I get to take a couple months because I'm working some things out and I'm pulling behavior out of them and I'm creating situations that make it even more toxic. Yeah. I did the same. I have to take some space, but my intention in the end is like, I want to get closer. I want to get closer. And I, it took six years, mm-hmm. six years, guys. <laughs> well, and I'm, I'm similar. I would show up. Mm-hmm. I would still show up to Sunday dinners. I would still show up to the, di- the, to the different things and just be me. But there were times too, where it's like, all right, and I need a few months to not be around you people for a little bit. And then I would come back in mm-hmm. and for whatever reasons. And you'd work it out again. And realizing you guys, the way that people treat you have nothing has nothing to do with you. Yeah. That is their pain. And it's literally when they're coming out and they're being mean, that's almost like the most vulnerable ever. Yeah. Because it's like they're showing you, like, I'm in massive pain. And I'm in so much pain, I'm going to try to spread it around because it's like weird how we think that's going to make us feel better. But like when someone's mean to you, like it's literally them just showing you, mm-hmm. I'm hurting so bad that I literally am going to go try to destroy things. Right. Well, and what you touched on earlier, I actually mentioned it in my podcast that I, my, the first episode is me telling my lovely story. But I mentioned that with the unconditional love piece. Mm-hmm. I believe that there's a child part that gets activated, a wounded child that needs, hey, family, you're supposed to, these expectations yeah. of you're supposed to love me no matter what, especially mm-hmm. our parents. And that does not happen. It doesn't happen. So then we get to go within and go look at that wounded child that needs attention and love and give it ourselves and heal it ourselves for sure and then move through life but i think i believe it activates a piece of us oh of a gosh. wounded child well i think one of the big things that i had to realize it was like okay like if there's like an ultimate parent-child relationship like well how was god right and we think well we're in our biggest wounding and we're in the most pain that's when people need to come in um that's not what god did if you literally <laughs> think about it like look at the jesus story right and he's going through the Garden of Gethsemane and he reaches out where it was the most painful. It was the darkest. And he felt like he needed people the most. What did God do? He withdrew. He withdrew, right? And you're thinking like, oh, are you what kidding the? me? But here's the deal. If God didn't withdraw, that's like, because like I think it's like, it's like Christ had to literally activate himself to, to be able to like, if it's like the fire or the pressure of what was going on, it strengthened him. And if God were to step in and to take it away, he would have taken away the ultimate gift of Mm -hmm. everything he was trying to become. So now if you look at that, if that's what God does, then if 
your family withdraws when you feel like you need them the most. What if that's just an opportunity to build that strength of what you were asking for anyways? You wanted mm-hmm. to be sovereign. You wanted to be safe within yourself. Well, what if the experience of your family stepping away is literally the what God did to Jesus mm-hmm. for him to become everything that he was? Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. That's the thing is like, we have to be able to be okay being uncomfortable. But what if that pain was the thing that activates us to be able to become stronger, to overcome it? And because... If God were to come in and save you, he has to save you every time it gets hard. Mm-hmm. Are you getting stronger? Nope. No. Not, and that's not why we chose. That's not why we chose to come here. Mm-mm. And so it's like if your family's doing a pattern that literally God's doing, instead of being like, you shouldn't be doing this, it's like, no, cool. What's this asking me? How do I get to stand up? And how is this giving me everything that I want? Yeah. And something I've been thinking about quite often lately is there are universal laws that mm-hmm. are just in place yep. as far as how it the is. order of things are. It's it natural law. Yeah. And this is probably one of those natural laws that no, there is nobody that's going to come in and rescue you when you're in the pits of hell, because only through it, going through the refiner's fire, yep. will you actually have these gifts that you now get to yeah. hone. And it's actually through our darkest moments yes. that we develop our biggest strengths, our biggest gifts. And one of them is leaving religion. It's one of the most painful things to oh. go through. And yet, oh, so hard. And yet, I'm no, I'm sure you can speak the same thing. It's like, how many gifts and how many things have you developed from it? Oh my gosh, you guys, sometimes I just drive down the road and I'm like, I'm so grateful I'm not Mormon anymore. Not because I hate Mormonism. <laughs> I do really love coffee. <laughs> that's the only thing I'm really Oh, that's sad. the only reason why you're so grateful no, you're no, not Mormon. No, no, there's, there's a lot of different things. I get so grateful because it's like of who I became. But yeah. You guys, literally the most painful thing I've ever did. Yeah. Was having, because I felt like my whole, I had like my foundation was decimated and I didn't mm-hmm. even have like a sliver of a stick to rebuild with. And it was like, I remember just like, I was never suicidal, but I like, I was like, if I could not exist, that would be awesome because right. I don't know what to do with this. But coming through the other side of it, and again, this is why I think like when they talk about Jesus being the savior, and again, I don't know all the ins and outs of everything, but it was like, if you look at the pattern, Jesus showed us he had to save himself. Mm-hmm. He had to go through the process to activate it to become who he is. And so if that was the pattern and he showed us the way, why would we think we wouldn't have to do that? Mm-hmm. Why do we, like, if we're waiting around for someone to come save us, I was like, you guys, God didn't even save Jesus. Right. And if we're supposed to follow in his footsteps, we have to learn how to be able, what else did he have to do in Gethsemane? He had to learn how to feel everything, right? Yeah, he, it was feeling all the that's feelings. That's the bleeding from every pore was feeling all the things. So why would you not have to? And it, by the way, let's just point out, it wasn't everybody's sins for God's sakes. Like, I hate this. I don't believe that. that yeah, he, I don't. I haven't really thought. I don't really know what it is. Maybe. It's, I, there's some things I look at it like... Maybe it doesn't make sense to me, well, but maybe. <laughs> okay, but Jesus has never wanted to be put on a pedestal, right? Would you agree with that? With the Jesus that I know, I would say that. Again, I don't know for sure. But That's the Jesus that yeah. I know. There's no way. He was here to show us, mm-hmm. show us a, another way of how to live and how to move through life and what we can be. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, hey, go worship me. You know. Oh, That's the thing I do have a hard time with the whole Jesus thing is like when you talk about what we need to like – Worship Jesus is all him. And again, I don't want to discredit and like downplay who Jesus is and what he is in any way. But sometimes I'm like, man, if you like replace Jesus' names with Satan, that seems more like what Satan wants us to do. Oh, yeah. Like the Satan like yeah. figure. I was like, oh, worship me. It's all about me. Follow me. It's all like you're nothing You owe me, me your life because you, I paid penance for your sins. Yeah. You so know? again, like I don't want to discredit anything or anybody's belief around what Jesus is. I do believe that he's like my savior in the fact that he opened up the possibility. Mm-hmm. of what's possible there's more because once yeah. you know that something's possible it's like the four minute mile right i know that i i don't want to say that these are comparable to what jesus did <laughs> here's something but just kind of how your brain works so it's like the four minute mile they said it's humanly impossible right 
one person breaks it and all of a sudden six months later people are breaking it all the time was it because all of a sudden the human bodies got different or all of a sudden the belief changed 100 percent the belief exactly so i think when jesus showed this is what's possible mm-hmm. it opens up the way this is what's possible mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the belief is strong enough to be able to create things in the physical form yeah so that's kind of what i think that is and again if I learn something new next week, I might change my mind. Yeah, I know that, right? I feel like that's constantly spirituality, whatever your connection is. For me, it's constantly kind of evolving and shifting and changing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't think this God piece would be coming in for me at this time in my life. So it's just fascinating. But there is something that I do know. Like I do know that like because like, there's a lot of um, in my work teaching people to connect to God. I do know when people connect to Jesus, they heal really, really fast. Yeah. I don't, and, and, that, and that's not like – that's just more my own looking at it. So – and I do know when people connect back to God, they're like, I don't feel anxiousness. There's this, that black hole's gone. I, cause I do feel like that big void that we have inside of us is meant to be connected to divine source, which yeah. is to me, God. Yeah. And so I think when you're able to connect to that, your journey's going to look different than other people's. So oh, your yeah. journey out of the church, I would say, get really clear on how you want it to look. Mm-hmm. Do you want it to be explosive? Do you want to blow your whole life up? Do you want to blow other people's lives up? If you do keep like, Take the path that looks like that, but at least you can measure if you're doing it or not. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At least I have a goal. Am like, I blowing up my life? How many check. Bo- my, check life blown up? How many other people? I got five people hit the goal. Like, <laughs> at least have a goal. Like, I mean, but do you want to have it? Like, hey, I would love it to be peaceful. Right. And sometimes when it's to have peaceful, sometimes it's a raging storm on the inside, uh-huh. and you're learning how to deal with that. Hey, I want to stay connected to my family. Cool. That means every single time you go to your family, you get to like, like cool, how do I get to have boundaries? Ooh, I get to shut my mouth right now. Ooh, I have pieces to go work because mm-hmm. I got triggered big time. But you can design your journey however you want it to look. Mine looked completely different than a lot of people's. Mm-hmm. Mine wasn't super explosive. I didn't Mine blow up my either. family. Yeah. I didn't have to have like, it was painful. I'm not going to, I am not going to downplay the fact that it was massively painful, but it doesn't have to be destructive. Yeah. yeah and if I you, totally le- but if you don't have a goal of what you're going to do, then you're just like throwing spaghetti at the wall and it could just be whatever it is. And you're living it. Well, let's be completely honest. Mm-hmm. When we lash out and when we do that, it is a tactic to ignore the things that are going on inside. It's an avoidance thing. We don't want to look at what's happening within because Mm -hmm. in my experience, that is the hardest thing we have to do in this life Mm -hmm. is to go within. And the most rewarding and the the thing that will give you everything that you want. 100%. And as long as you, and here's the deal too, I don't think anyone gets away from it. Yeah. And if they, if they do get away from it, their lives usually look pretty chaotic. And like the sooner you can just, like almost submit and be like, cool, I get to look at this stuff. Yeah. The faster you'll be able to create the life that you want. And I promise, because I remember when I first would start looking at my, a lot of people will call it their shadows, right? Yeah. yeah. There's always light on the other side. You will always make it through because that was one of the things that I was always so afraid of, of like, crap, I don't want to go in that big, dark, deep pit and like never come out again. And it's like, no, that's not what happens. You can and will make it through. And again, with the thing that Amanda's talked about change, you guys, Things always change. Mm-hmm. It's the one it constant matter. in life. The one constant in life. And you guys, it's a good thing. We want change. Because like, yeah. truthfully, you don't want things to stay the same. Even if you were happy all the time, you'd get bored. Yeah. Like, and not that we're like, but it's like, it's the lights and the darks that make things amazing. Like, leaving like music. But think about art. Or, yeah. If you were to go to Walmart and you, and look, let's say that happiness and true bliss is white, right? How much do you pay for a white canvas at Walmart? Three ninety nine, And I'll paint on it. Three, no, like literally $3.99. $3.99. I, I know because we were going to do a paint wine night the other night. Okay, but you go to paint. But how much are paintings that have light and dark and texture and color? Mm-hmm. 
millions, millions of dollars. So for us to think that we are trying to get to this nirvana place, if it's Zion, nirvana, heaven, whatever, and it's going to look a certain way, you guys, what if this was the heaven that we always wanted to be in? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, think about, like, why do we play video games? Why do we play sports? For the challenge. If you're going to play Mario Brothers, you're going to walk through the level, and it's like, oh, here's, like, you know, like, that pixelated, like, palm tree. Oh, cool. Here's the guy who's supposed to jump on. Oh, he walked out of the way. Bab down to me. Okay, <laughs> keep going. How long would you play that? Two minutes? Right. No, you play levels over and over and over again, so you could go, like, beat Bowser. Challenges. Right? Yeah. Let's, like, let's get the level. What's let's next? Overcome. Let's overcome. Let's, let's overcome. overcome. Because you gain skill. You become more of what you are. And if we are here as gods in training, like, if that is true for Mormonism, which at this point I believe, you want this, you guys. This is what you've been asking for. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it in that way, instead of like, I'm this victim to this horrible life, I was like, no, how does this life work? Because if there are universal truths and I'm creating this world, what am I doing and how can I do it better? Right. And in again, coming back to the Mormonism piece, you guys, there is Mormonism is, I think, a beautiful foundation. And if you've lived it and you've lived it well, good on you. You now know that you can be obedient to hard things. Because let's be honest, it's not like it's an easy lifestyle. Mm-mm. No. I mean, you have to eat a certain way. You have to dress a certain way. You got to go to church. You got to serve people. You got to do your home teaching. You got to give 10% of your money. You guys, it is a very disciplined lifestyle. And if you've done it, literally kudos to you. You are a step ahead of your development and your ability to be disciplined. Yeah. Now take that discipline and now you get to have some autonomy. Mm-hmm. I would say definitely be connected to God. I, I think that's awesome. Go get a relationship with God. What do you want this next phase of your journey to look like? But you didn't waste time in Mormonism. So would you say, because we're probably time to start wrapping up, would mm-hmm. you say like what would be your top thing or a few things that you would suggest for people that are transitioning out that may be kind of stuck, not sure where to go, they feel alone, they're, you know, a lot of people lose their community, all the things. What would say, what would be your top? Number one, like literally number one, if this is the only thing you got at it, get a real relationship with God. The way that I did it is for me, I had to change the way that I prayed. Because before it was like sending up an email or a text, right? Hey, hopefully I, hopefully he reads it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you hear really weird beliefs that like, well, God will answer you in his own timetable and when he feels like it. That is not my belief. Mm-hmm. I ask God answers. It says it in the scriptures, asking shall receive. So for me, I'm a little bit more of a visual person. And so when I sit down and have a conversation with someone, here with Amanda. If I ask her a question, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to stop and I'm going to wait for her to respond. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sit here until she talks. She doesn't say anything I'm like, hey, did you hear me? And so for me, like I would literally go in my mind and I would imagine God. However, guys, to me, he's like a grandpa, white beard. Like that's, that, that's to me, right? But that's my version of how he shows up for me. And I would sit there and I would ask some questions and I would sit and I'd wait because it talks about like you have to get into stillness. Mm-hmm. But in that way, because I have a little bit of like an ADD mind, it like goes and goes and goes. That was a way for me to focus, to be able to sit long enough to wait for the answer. Now, you write a lot, right? I do. I do now. I didn't in the beginning because it was just... I feel like that's, I would get impatient. <laughs> I feel like that's one of my easier ways to actually communicate in, in mm-hmm. some of those ways. Because... Mm-hmm. Um, there, it, it just was easier for me to get it through. Like mm-hmm. if I'm having conversations with God, I'm actually writing the questions. I'm writing the questions. I do that. Like literally answers. you could go by my meditation chair in my room right now. I have a journal and you're going to see. It's like M dash. Here's my question. And then it'd be <laughs> G. That's God talking back to me. <laughs> I did that. That came later only because writing to me was irritating. You oh, guys, really? I love No, writing. but it was only because like, you know me, I'm, Hopefully, guys, I really hope I talked slow on this podcast because if you know me in real life, it's like, brrr, 
But it was like everything was so fast that when I was so agitated, that was how I could slow down. But once I could do that, then I got to the point where the conversation was going too fast. I had to slow down to write oh. so I knew who was talking. Yeah. But in the beginning to prime the pump, I would just go visualize because it was I, I was already in the habit of talking to people. So it wasn't taking a habit that was already comfortable. And then I was just doing it in my mind. But I would literally visualize that. So mm-hmm. I'd start. It'd be meditation, prayer, whatever. And this is literally how I still meditate. Every mm-hmm. time I meditate, I'm like, hi, God, we're back. What are we doing today? Because I love it. I mean, yeah. I, I talk to God all day long. He's like my best friend. <laughs> I love him. But I started with that. And then once that um, two-way communication got going, then I did transition to writing. And mm-hmm. I would, I'd write out the question. I'd sit there with a pen. And people would be like, well, how do you know if it's you or not? Guess what? In the beginning, some of it was me. But I could go back and I'd read it because when I was taught this, like, well, go back and read it. You'll you'll see, you'll start to feel what it feels like when God comes through you. Mm-hmm. And you'll see when you jump in. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see when God talks again. And then you'll see when you jump in. And once you start to feel it, well, people are like, well, what if I get it wrong? Go try it. You'll right. know. You're going to make mistakes. You're yeah. going to do it differently. But if you don't try, you're never going to get there. Yeah. But you'll get to the point where you can feel when it's God and you can feel when it's you mm-hmm. and you'll get into the subtleties of it. But you have to just get the conversation going. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. And guys, God's awesome. Like literally, mm, the best thing in my life. Like <laughs> I was a missionary. It's funny too because I had one of my clients was like, Michelle, you're a missionary. I'm like, I know I am, right? Like, I was a missionary in the Mormon church and I'm like, I feel like I get to be like a missionary for God. But like my big thing is like, God doesn't care. You guys, if you can't talk to God, cool. Is there anything outside yourself that you can talk to? Mm -hmm. I have clients that talk to dogs. You want to know? I don't think God cares. Talks to their grandma. He will use whatever is most comfortable for you because I don't think he gets offended if you use his name or not. Mm -hmm. First off, do we even really know it? Like God, that's not his name, you know? And no one has the market or the corner on God and Jesus. There's nobody out there that gets to control and say, we're the ones. This is a person. If anything that religion talks about, it's go have your own community, like your own relationship with God. The Book of Mormon says that any scriptural text, it's you listening to God above all else. Mm -hmm. But how can you listen to God if you don't know him? How can you be able to develop a relationship if you don't know him? You have to get that going. And then all of a sudden, like you'll look at it. Even like crazy, super successful people, they'll talk about it. Like, yeah, I connect to, they'll call it like the controller or whatever it is. But like when you can tap into that, your life can be guided in the most beautiful ways that you will do things and experience things you didn't even believe were possible. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one to me though is you'll have a fulfillment inside your soul mm-hmm. where all of a sudden you can be the calm within a storm. The world can be raging around you. You're like, oh my gosh, yeah. I actually feel really good. So that literally, if anything out of this, is like go start to get a relationship with God. He's so good. So awesome. good. So good. And he doesn't even care if you call him a he. You can be whatever you want. He, she, it. <laughs> whatever <you>. it is. <laughs> but I would say it's like go get a relationship with God. And um, that communication is what kind of changed everything for me. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. I know. This I, is- I, I love, guys, I could talk about this for days. <laughs> Maybe we'll have you on again. Part two. <laughs> well, awesome. I appreciate you. And um, if anybody wanted to find you, because you you do help people with transitioning out. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, it's like michelle.wilding, W-I-L-D-I-N-G. I'm on Facebook. Those are probably the two best ways. Okay. Awesome. Okay. What about your website? Yes, no? Just oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That's a little bit more Um, in my professional life. It's um, I help women basically learn how to become comfortable within their own bodies, learning how to connect mm-hmm. um, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so if you go to the website, um, 
We actually made it a little easier. It's thesoco.org. Um, I saw that. S-O-C-O.org. Yeah, S-O-C-O. I love it. Because it's way, it's a sophrenic collective. There's a whole big long story on that. But it, thesoco.org, um, that's, if you go to the website, that talks more about helping women be able to become in alignment with themselves mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And physically. physically. Well, and that's one of the things I love about you. I mean, I know so many different types of teachers that they go out and teach things that they don't haven't quite mastered yet. I mean, yeah. you see that quite often, mm-hmm. but you have mastered this. I mean, you and Amanda both oh, have met. Yeah. She has another Amanda who's yes. her partner in the so <laughs> I think I, Amanda's. I love Amanda's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the things I, in fact, you've got a competition you're doing in a week. I do. A yeah. body competition. I so. had one of my biggest issues was body stuff. And you've definitely mastered that. Yeah. I'm doing a, yeah fitness competition here in a week awesome well thanks again for being with me this has been awesome yes thanks (laughs) for having me thank you for joining us today man each time i have one of these interviews and these stories that are shared they are always so beautiful and so touching i hope that something resonated with you maybe it was an answer to something that you were seeking You can find me on my website at amandajoyloveland.com for more information or more conversation there or on social media at amanda.joy.loveland. Have such a beautiful day and remember you are not alone.